Welcome to C-Suite Radio. What does filmed for IMAX mean? It isn't just a movie that'll look great on IMAX's screens. It means that hiding from a sandstorm feels like fear in every flicker. And every triumph is felt in every sound wave. And the things we've only imagined, you can truly experience those too. That's what filmed for IMAX means. Get tickets to Experience Dune Part 2 now and IMAX's exclusive expanded aspect ratio. It's time for another edition of The Brett Allen Show. It's go time, you and me! Join us weekly for the latest pop culture interviews from your favorite TV shows, movies, comedians, and so much more. Yeah, I'm not gonna lie to you, felt good. Plus, you never know who will drop by. What happened here was a miracle. Now, here is your host. I said throw down, boy. Welcome to the night's main event. Welcome in, everybody. Thanks for watching and listening and being a part of today's conversation. Today, we are talking a great project, Remember Me, the Mahalia Jackson story, and a bunch of other things with one of the producers. Uh, she's also a director. I mean, she just is all things busy with entertainment and storytelling. Uh, we're chatting with Erica Nicole Malone. Thank you so much for your time today. It's a pleasure to meet you. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. Yes. Well, you are very busy working on this project and other projects. Um, my first question is, I know you've been traveling a lot and doing a lot of things. Have you had a chance to breathe and relax a little bit <laughs> and take in <laughs> all of the great things that are happening to you? I, I, I can't say that I have right now. It's just in my mindset. Okay. I got to keep pushing and I keep, so yeah, I haven't really had a chance to just sit back and enjoy it yet. Yes. Well, this is a great project. And of course you've worked on other great things as well, but I'm very curious as somebody who is in the industry and in, is, is deeply involved in these projects and decision-making as an executive producer, what was sort of the interest for you or the thing that uh, got your attention about this project in particular and made you decide that you wanted to to become involved with it? Well, I've always been a history buff. I love history. And I had a producer friend of mine. I had written another biopic for him. And um, so he said, hey, what do you think about an idea about Mahalia Jackson? And Mahalia Jackson was such a, a huge figure for me um, as a little girl, I'm, I live in Las Vegas now, but I was born and raised in Louisville, Kentucky. So in the South, Mahalia was such a revered figure. I mean, she's a national treasure worldwide, but definitely in the South, she was in all the church, you know, ch church fans and, yeah. you know, on, on the walls on Sunday dinner, you'd have Dr. King on one side, Jesus in the middle. And you'd have Mahalia Jackson or Malcolm X, depending on your house. Yeah. Um, Mahalia Jackson was huge in the Black community. But then to find out later, once I did research in 2017, that she was such a pivotal figure in the civil rights movement, that she was so influential to Dr. Martin Luther King. And I tell people a lot that she was the Scottie Pippen to Michael Jordan and that she basically would help him pay for some of the rallies. She would open for him for those rallies. And they had such a friendship uh, that I would see 
uh, in my research, just pictures of them together laughing in front of uh, in front of Mahalia's house in Chicago. Just, you know, and Dr. King was known for cracking jokes. Um, so there was just, I wanted to really humanize both Mal uh, Dr. King and Mahalia and just show them as Martin and Mahalia. And, um, and that's what I did in the film. And he would call her at three o'clock in the morning wow. and have her sing to him. I mean, you're, you can imagine the oppression that he was dealing with, what he was dealing with from the police, from just different people and racism. And so she was, she was pivotal. She was 20 years older than him, just about, about 15 years older than him. So she was his big sister. And I really wanted to show that, that sweet relationship they had. Yeah. So that brings up an interesting point uh, that you mentioned it. We're talking about biopics. I mean, they, there's a lot out, a lot to come out. Uh, they come out on different platforms. What are some of the challenges? I mean, I think this is going to be a great story. Um, the cast that you all have assembled is just top notch to the T. Um, but when you are kind of having initial conversations and pre-production and sort of deciding how you're going to tackle this, um, when it comes to casting, what sort of challenges do you face as a creative uh, to sort of decide, okay, we obviously want to tell a good story, first of all, but second of all, we want to have cast uh, that we know are going to help tell the story as well. Because I, I think that's a side of this business that a lot of people don't get to see. You know, we get to see it when it comes out in theaters or on streaming and we go, oh man, this was such a great film. Uh, but your role oftentimes sort of is as a jack of all trades. You kind of get to do a lot of different things, but having input on this casting as well and great work, by the way. Thank you. Thank you so much. I mean, a lot of it has just been so much favor from God. But I mean, on top of that, we had an excellent casting director, Phaedra Harris, uh, who was working with us. The director, Denise Stouse, who just recently passed away a few months ago. Uh, she was, we had such a sisterhood and, and friendship uh, along with Vince Allen, our producer. So we all worked together along with my uh, co-executive producer, Philip Robinson, and, and kind of cultivating and, and finding this talent um, and this amazing, these amazing actors for these roles. And it was at the height of COVID. So, yeah. so um, you know, once we got Lettucey, uh, you know, the Grammy winner Lettucey as Mahalia Jackson, and once she agreed to do it, it was such a blessing from there and just getting a Columbus short as Dr. King and Janet Huber, who's like my sister um, as uh, Aunt Duke. Uh, Janet Huber is uh, Aunt Viv, Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah, we've interviewed her before on our show. She's fantastic. Fantastic. Yeah, she's like my sister. I love her. Um, Keith David, um, Keith Robinson, Corbin Blue, Wendy Raquel Robinson. Having all of these people, these are just legends. And, you know, in this film, it's just been breathtaking. I think that's the word for it. Yeah. And maybe I'll come back and say, oh, my gosh, that happened. But it's just been breath breathtaking. Uh, Corbin Blue's performance is Cap Calloway. All of it has just been beautiful. Yes. Well, one last question. And again, thank you so much for your graciousness and time today. I know you're very busy, but where did the journey begin for you in this business as a storyteller, as a director? Um, I, I, I'm just very curious, like, where did that spark begin for you and, and made you go, I have to do this as, as a job because it's so <laughs> different. I say this all the time. I feel like a broken record, 500 interviews and everybody I talk to, I, I, I ask the same question, like, and I've been able to figure out a lot, but that part I find fascinating because the vast journey is different for everybody. 
It's such a journey, especially if you can imagine being a Black woman in Louisville, Kentucky, or a young Black girl as a writer. It's a sports town, you know, unless you're U of L UK. It's yeah. a matter, but, uh, and that's a joke, but they, you matter. But I'm just saying it was just not, writing was not high on the list of things to, you know, be in Kentucky, right? right? So my mother, I give, she's a huge catalyst for my success. Um, she knew I had talent very young and she would take me to writers and artists and African artists and African, uh, drummers and say, my daughter has talent, help her. And we'd sit around. I was like seven, eight, writing poetry, talking about arts and really, uh, they knew that I think that there was something special there and cultivated it helped to. And then around 13, I auditioned for the youth performing arts high school in Louisville, Kentucky and theater and playwriting or theater. And my senior year, my teacher, Pat Allison, put me in a playwriting class. And um, I realized not only she could see I was an actress, but also a writer um, as well. And she taught me the art of dialogue and crafting it. And um, and that's my senior year. I started writing plays and I wrote plays to pay for college. Uh, $3 a ticket. I'd have 800 students, uh, all these sororities and fraternities and lobbying and campaigning and, you know, doing that every semester, getting actors to leave their, you know, just to study, but then come to rehearsal and treat them <laughs> like, hey, so rehearsal starts at six. I'm going to need everyone. <laughs> like, wait a minute, I have to be a class. At like... And it was just funny. So I think I was doing this for years and, um, you know, and then I did some pageants, speech and debate. Um, and then, you know, I started taking plays around the country um, for 20 something years. And around um, 2015, I wrote a sitcom pilot called Ward of the State, starring uh, Janet Huber. And we became fast friends, We've been friends for seven and eight years now. And um, it's just been it's just been a beautiful, beautiful journey. Yes. Well, I mean, all the success that you've had is very well deserved. Um, I think people are going to really enjoy this when they get a chance to see it um, and all the other work that you've been a part of. Uh, Erica, it's been a pleasure chatting with you. Thank you uh, so much for your time today. It's been an honor. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening and being a part of today's conversation. Thank you. If you enjoyed today's episode, please consider sharing it with a friend. It's absolutely free. A major proportion. The views and opinions of our guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. And remember, we care.